The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to Dugout Study Hall, a remedial course in baseball stats and proud member of the Pitcher List Podcast Network. I'm your host and expert layman, Matt Goodwin, and I am joined, as always, by your fake baseball economist, Stal Alexander Chase. On this episode, we are joined by Mike Kurland of the SK Playbook Bases Loaded Pod and The Athletic to talk about all things spring training. And, of course, a little bit about April Fool's Day. Tons of great stuff in this one, but before we get to all of that, Mike, how are you doing? fantastic man thanks for having me yeah, absolutely i think you're our first repeat customer actually on on dugout study hall the first first person that's come back around like a boomerang uh oh. we are we're psyched to have you a lot of stuff has changed since last we spoke uh we are going to talk about a lot of that but uh but before we we dive in there alexander how are things um well I got to get to bed early tonight because I have to wake up early to get in line to go buy the new Nats merch. So other than mm. that, pretty good. No real complaints. Talk a little bit more about that Nats merch for people who may not have seen the tweet. Oh, man. Um, yeah. So the actually, in addition to the Nats putting out their like city edition or whatever they're calling it. City East, Connect, I think. Right. Yeah, whatever. Right? Uh, no. Free oh, sorry. Ads, sorry. Right? Well, hey, what, we don't need <laughs> to on this podcast. Why be right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh yeah so it's like a cherry blossom themed uh gray and pink and stuff which looks fantastic i'm really excited about it like the the cap has like a little bit of like bloom around the w which is like the washington senator's old logo it's it's great um also the wizards put out like a cherry blossom themed uh uni that they're wearing tonight it's like way more aggressively pink that looks really good got a great gradient on the shorts so like yeah, really good time to be a person who wants to buy sports merch here in D.C. I was, was going to say, are you going to get in line at one and then slide on over to the other and you're going to be all decked out in, uh, in the basketball shorts and the, 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 the Nationals jersey? Because uh, that's a picture. Uh, don't threaten me with a good time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, my plan is to uh, to be a nice boyfriend and uh, drop my girlfriend off at her office, which is uh, like two blocks from that stadium. And then just go get in line. Mm, does she know that there's an ulterior motive here <laughs> to your kind gesture? Does she yes. listen to the podcast afterwards? <laughs> yes. No. And no. Right, 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 right. So what we say here at least is is safe. Yes. Um, Mike, again, thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, as I was hinting at, there's there's been some changes since last we spoke. 
Uh, so I, I want to pick your brain on all this new stuff that you've got going on and, and give you a chance to kind of shout it out. Yeah, I don't know where to start either. Uh, we were talking about it. It's just, <laughs> it's still surreal to me because you mentioned when you start in this industry, some of the stuff you work towards is working at the athletic, um, NBC Sports Edge, Yahoo, CBS, et cetera, you know, these bigger name companies. And right. fortunately, like it's still, like I said, it's still surreal and it's weird to me, but yeah, I'm working at the athletic now, which as a freelance writer, it's still like, that's honestly the dream spot, dream job. It was. Yeah. And I have no intentions of leaving anytime soon. <laughs> not, not that I'm thinking about leaving. Like I'm like, Oh no, what am I saying? I'm stumbling over my words. Shocker. But yeah, um, I'm at the athletic now um, doing my, a lot of my lineup stuff there. And among other stuff, you know, it's a lot, it's a lot more deeper looks and like for deeper league stuff. But uh, overall, that's kind of the main thing. Uh, obviously I'm still doing the spring train lineup stuff that's going on. And, this year, I have skplaybook.com. I'm, I'm co-owning, and we have a Patreon with George uh, Montanez at Roto underscore Nino. Um, him and I, we've been working together since 2019, and we decided to go ahead and take that and just, you know, even though he works at NBC, I work at The Athletic, we're still allowed to do this stuff on the side, and yeah, yeah. so we have that going on, and we post stuff daily there, and we have a Discord, and it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a lot, but it's a labor of love, as, as, as I call it. Yeah, definitely. I, 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 I was saying this kind of um, off the air pre pre pod, and I know how much you hate hearing nice things, but uh, I'm I'm super happy to to see you, you know, kind of just keep doing your thing and have it pay off. It's it's uh, it's nice to see good guys, you know, win the day. It, it, you don't always see that when it's not a Marvel movie. Uh, spoiler alert for people who haven't seen Marvel movies. Um, so. <laughs> It's uh, it, it's it's a good thing. I'm happy for you. I'm really, really happy for you. No, I'm super appreciative, man. I mean, like I said, it's when you when I, when I started in 2019, I literally told myself I just want to do a podcast. <laughs> I have the yeah. bases loaded podcast. I should have <laughs> plugged that too, and I do that once or twice a week now. Yeah. But uh, I w- just wanted to do a podcast. My goal was like, I want to be a podcast. I want to be the next CBS. And then I realized about a year in, that is very difficult <laughs> to be yeah, anything yeah. beyond. So like, there's these tier. I look at them like tiers. And the fact that, you know, PitcherList has made it to that. Like, they won the podcast tournament. They're opening the, the first year. I know because they beat me on their, on their way to doing it. <laughs> but uh, PitcherList is like one of the first like homegrown, like that independent podcast that made that jump. And you don't see that. So that's impressive in its own right. But I realized the amount of effort and work it takes. Not that I was not never willing to do it. It was just that wasn't realistic of a goal. So I decided to start writing. And I actually told myself I was never going to write. And that's literally what's taking me the farthest in this industry is writing <laughs> and creating a nifty little tool that like one reason why it's it's so useful. I think the main reason is because no one else does it. Like I, if, if a major website did this, I wouldn't even be mad because I would still do my daily write ups on this stuff. But the fact that no one's tracking these spring train lineups just in one place for people to look for, for themselves, even that's where I think was the big draw. And that's kind of where it all started. Like when I started doing lineup monitoring in 2020 in the shortened season, it kind of just took off from there because I was doing it as Twitter threads. And then uh, Jeff Erickson gave me my first kind of like big shout out and break. And it kind of just kind of, I was like, well, then this was really good in 2020. How about I do it for spring training? Cause there is nobody doing this for spring training in terms of just having it all in place. And right. now this is where I'm at. So it's like, I got lucky. I, I fell into a niche that I didn't realize there was a market for that. Very few people. And again, it's very hard to find something that no, very few people are doing. I say very few. Cause I know Jeff Zimmerman does it. I don't know many others that do cover lineups mm-hmm. like that. And, and I, I welcome it because it's obviously something people enjoy. So if you can do it in a different angle than I'm doing it, 
challenge me. It'll make me better. I really do mean yeah, that. Like, please. Yeah. Because yeah. um, <laughs> there should never be one voice in any corner of this industry. Yeah, I, I think especially for the sort of stuff that you're looking at, like we're going to be wrong about any takeaway that's based off of such like small and erratic samples as whatever a manager decides to do in the middle of March. Um, <laughs> so I want to listen to people that I know have the sort of like lightheartedness. When I saw you like first or second day, like posting some like obviously sarcastic it's time to freak out sort of stuff. I, I was so <laughs> genuinely happy to see you back on that and to get on in on the nonsense. Cause like everything about spring training, especially this like shortened spring training is kind of inherently a little nonsensical. And uh, yeah, I, I like what Zimmerman does, which just like wraps it up team by team in this different sort of way and that mining the news, but like, I definitely feel like there's a different sort of like personal edge and voice from your way of looking at all this that kind of captures the I'm just doing my best because that's all that can be done, um, which I feel like gives me a different sort of confidence than when I go say like, you know, like this might be the case, but who knows? Here's all the data to make the choice yourself. This seems sticky. They've definitely told us so. I can believe more in this. Uh that sort of like stuff is like a you know like i'm not always a consumer of a lot of different work people pull out but i'm always really happy to look at your stuff so well yeah. i appreciate it and I, I did actually transition a little bit because i realized last year was such a heavy focus on who's batting where and i realized the big error in that is you mentioned it's the middle of march like how much yeah. of that's going to truly stick all year so what, what i added to it wasn't just monitoring lineups it was also monitoring, you know, platoons, which I did a little bit last year, but I'm really trying to find the platoons this year. It's just, it's so hard. They're, like the Rockies kind of showed their hand today. So, and we can talk about that a little later, but then like position battles, obviously are important fringe roster guys. I'm trying to take a look at who could kind of be like Rami Gonzalez, who came up and just had like, yeah, who exactly just guys like that. <laughs> that could just come up and be like, like, like a big guy, a guy I like a lot is Cooper Hummel for the uh, Diamondbacks, like a no-name prospect who actually showed and flashed some tools last year. He's a guy that could push for DH slash fourth outfield at bats, but it's the Diamondbacks, so there's a path to playing time. And the reason why I started thinking about these guys was because of Akil Badu and other guys that just kind of flashed in spring but didn't have a clear path at the time when really there was always a clear right. path because of the team they were on. And then, of course, the biggest thing, the big addition to the chart was the new position eligibility watch. I have 60 names mm. on there right now. And I decided I, I I go I went through every team in lineup. I'm sure I missed some really obscure names, but I went through every team in lineup, found their NFBC because I know how big NFBC is in the industry, so I kind of use them as the as yeah, where yeah. I got the because Yahoo will have like 15 other, you know, we all know the joke there. It's, <laughs> low, it's low hanging fruit with Yahoo. So I took NFBC, took their uh, eligibility, and then I went and looked at spring training and decided let's see who's doing what where. And so I took all 60 names I found that were I felt were relevant between shallow leagues and deep leagues. As, as shallow as, let's see, Trey Mancini, as deep as, um, I'll find an obscure name here. One second. Uh, scroll, scroll, I, I'm, scroll. I am, uh, yeah. Thyro <laughs> Estrada. Thyro Estrada, Taylor Walls, guys that are, like, these are uh, Yanni Hernandez, guys that are super deep formats. So I went yeah. through and grabbed a bunch of them, and some of them are sticky. You know, like, for instance, like, another obvious layup, uh, Witt Jr., shortstop only third base nothing but third base in spring training obvious yeah but then you have guys yeah, yeah. like kevin smith that okay he's we thought he'd be the third baseman for oakland since he's gone over there he's played shortstop like four times already so it's like hmm, yeah. okay that's interesting maybe are they are they 
trying to find ways to get him involved more often? Or are they looking at ways that like maybe they need to work on him and he won't start as a third baseman, even though third base is a fit. So I thought this position eligibility watch was actually something, a good addition because I'm already looking at the lineups every day. Why not track who's yeah. playing where? Fran Ray has played the outfield a couple times. Mancini's played the outfield three times. The team has already backed him up on that. I'm on a tangent because I'm really good at tangents, but nah, it's just that idea. I just want to stress that. I think, I think that's kind of an important thing. That's so, Going back to what you were mentioning, how we don't know much, I think stuff like that can be sticky, though. Mm-hmm. But this is my first year testing that. We'll see. My goal is that I'm going to keep this, and then I'm actually going to start a brand new one, and by the end of the year, see which ones actually followed through. And kind of because like I actually did a recap piece for the athletic. My first ever piece was was looking at back at last year's chart, which I've since deleted because I feel like it's it should I should have probably kept it. <laughs> well, I deleted it because I felt like it was irrelevant once I was done covering it. But I recapped it and there yeah, was a lot yeah. that a lot of stuff was sticky, like um obviously Cedric Mullins leading off stuck. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um Enrique Hernandez led off stuck. There was a lot of uh IKF wasn't very good in the second half, but at least he got you steals as a catcher and was playing every day. So that was a guy that kind of flashed in those spring training lineups. So if there was negatives, Victor Robles obviously flopped. Um, there was a couple others. So it wasn't like you said, it wasn't 100%, but there was a lot to it that stuck. So this year, a guy, I'm getting, I'm getting way off topic. Sorry, let's get back. Fine. No, no, roll with it. It's, honestly, the, it's obviously we, a passion. We, so I'm obviously. Yeah, we, <laughs> that, exactly right. And that's that's why we love having you on. Um, and, and this is all really good stuff. So it, if there's more more you want to talk about, you can, or we can we can go back to our outline. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> we can go. We can go back to the outline because you have all the stuff on the outline, and I'm jumping ahead because it's just like <laughs> I'm a natural talker. So you get me in a conversation, I tangent, I just keep going. I'm like, wait. Even I have to realize I have to reel this in, almost put my own host hat on. Like, I, nope, I realize that there's an outline for a reason. We have other people. I'm, I'm the guest, but we have other people here as well. We all have to talk a little bit. And I'm pretty, sure, okay. I, I'm pretty sure I cut off Alexander in the first place anyway. So. <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. So uh, let's, let's get back to the timeline and go through these next few things uh, rather quickly so that we can get back into <laughs> the wheelhouse. Because, I, 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 you know, it's, some, it's funny. There are times where we're kind of – doing our thing and going back and forth and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm doing my host thing. And then there are times where I just find myself sitting back and like, I'm listening to a podcast on my drive home. It's like highway hypnosis in my living room. Uh, and, and that's where we were at. And, and we're going to get back to that nice Zen flow, but uh, let's move to, to pass fail. I moved it up to, to closer to the top because I'm not sure if, if you, either of you were aware of this when we sat down to do this and planned recording on a Tuesday night, but this episode is going to release on Friday, which also happens to be April 1st. Uh, and so I wanted to get your take on April Fool's Day. Pass, fail, uh, jokes on April Fool's Day for people. Alexander, you want to go first? So, like, I'm always really scared of what the brands are going to do. Um, mm. That's that's my big fear, is that we're going to see some really dumb content come from, like, I don't know. I'm just going to throw out the Pittsburgh Pirates. I don't. I don't think the Pittsburgh Pirates social media guy is a bad person. I uh, don't take this personally, but uh, they already like did the biggest joke possible and sending down O'Neill Cruz. Yeah. Uh, so like, what are they going to possibly do to top that? Uh, that's that's my <laughs> worry about April Fool's. You're gonna tell general. us all that they decided to bring him up. Oh, just kidding. Um, <sighs> yeah. what, how do you feel about it in general, though? Like, are you like a, a pro prank guy or an anti prank guy? I think it has to be well coordinated and tongue in cheek. Uh, I think those are like the two things I need. Like, there's an old pitcher list bit where they just turn the website into like a ranking of pitchers, you know, like that you pour water out of. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's tongue in cheek. 
admittedly stupid. I'm here for it. So that's what I look for. Uh, you know, <laughs> need good form. You need good form. Sure, sure. Mike, what what's your take on April Fool's Day? I've just I I just never got behind it. Like, I I love talking crap to people. Like I enjoy the banter. I really do. And mm-hmm. um, when I get a chance to do it with friends, coworkers, etc., it's always a good time. I'm always loud. Obviously, I love to talk and I love to just <laughs> I love jokes. But the actual prank idea. I find it almost like, especially maybe because we've grown up, we're, we're part of that generation that grew up on watching these prank videos. And I always found them super cringy. People going mm. around doing like really uncomfortable things to people. And I now that's what I picture with April Fool's Day is people doing stuff like that. Not the old school like tape around like a, a faucet where like it sprays and it yeah, gets yeah, you right, like right. stuff like that's funny. And actually my coworkers did that to me not so long ago. But with the end with the shower head the same day got me both times. Um, for those who don't know, I work twenty four hours, so I'm I'm sh- at where I, what I, for what I do. So I'm I shower, I eat everything at my job. So yeah, so stuff like that's funny. I find those types of jokes funny. Maybe I'm a little older now, don't see the com- comedic relief in the other stuff, but. I don't know. Again, those videos, they stick with me. I think about those times where like you just watch people going around like on the internet doing stupid, obscure stuff. And it's just like, uh, uh, like it really, yeah. I think it ruined it for me for the most part. Honestly, yeah, I'm kind of with you. I, I like the, the ones that are like the harmless fun. I think the best, the best uh, prank somebody ever uh, played on me. They took like a picture of the desktop on my computer, which had been acting up and was frustrating me. And they made the picture of the desktop, the the desktop and then hid the icons which is a feature that windows has for some unknown reason you can hide all the icons so that i was trying to click on the icons that were just part of the back it was very clever but harmless right nobody got hurt it was it was good that that was a good one um so i'm not i'm not generally a fan as a as a middle school teacher i am always living a slightly in fear of what's going to happen uh so we you're not allowed stay. To get out of the segment without telling us more about that. So, uh, about what? So, what's like the worst, define at your own discretion, like prank that you've been party to at a school then? I, I'm, I, I don't want to answer this question because it, it's, it's not interesting. <laughs> the, the true answer is I've been very lucky. I also, I've got to knock on everything that's wood around me right now. I've, I, the kids are usually pretty chill. Uh, they, they're not, going after the grownups really um they might be doing silly things amongst themselves i think i think we've had things where you know like somebody's printed out a picture of something you know pretty mundane stuff so um you know it's not like it's not like the dennis the menace kind of thing where you know uh the the teachers are you know they're they're putting tax on the chairs right now i should stop saying this because they're gonna find this and then they're gonna do all this stuff to me um but uh, no, I've, I've been pretty fortunate in my life not to experience any of those really like the nasty side, the like the like you're you're talking about, Mike, like the I don't know, the the punked type stuff. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not really down for that, but I like the levity. I like the uh, the tongue in cheek stuff. So it sounds like we're all in agreement. Uh, anyway, <laughs> moving right along, uh, I want to come to our numbers of the week segment. And uh, this is going to be fun because it's some of that nonsense that Alexander was talking about in terms of like, hey, let's look at some stuff from spring training that doesn't matter at all. Um, but I, I went and I looked uh, up some statistics and I found the um, the top 13. So our number for the week is is 1.00, 1.00. And that is uh, going to be a reference to WHIP. There are 13 
starting pitchers based on whatever MLB is using as their criteria to qualify. Again, this is for fun. This isn't, uh, we're not making life and death decisions on this, but there's 13 players that have less than a one whip. Uh, as of Tuesday, the 29th of March, there are 13 players with less than a 1.00 whip. And I would like for you two to take turns going back and forth, guessing people on this list until one of you misses three times. Um, we can make it less. Will that, will that take too long? Should we do two times? I think, I think we're going to miss three times way quicker than you think we will. So I, I'm here for this. Yeah. I, like, I told you, as soon as you sent it to me, I'm like, I have like three names and I'm not even confident <laughs> in those three names. So, yeah. so let me just reiterate, this isn't about making either of you look foolish. One of the reasons I actually went with it is because there's not, there's not a ton of like shocking names here. Um, which might not, and there's us, not though. any like obscure names here. It's it's this is a trap. You... I don't believe you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, right. No, I'm, I'm joking. In all seriousness, though, I didn't take it like you were trying to make us feel dumb, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I genuinely am not good at trivia. So I always find it fun. And I'm very big on laughing at myself. So I'm expecting to laugh at myself in a fun way because I'm like, I'm not good at trivia. And pictures are the last thing I cover these days. So this is even yeah, better. There you go. Yeah, no, I never get anything Alexander asks me right, so it, it's okay. We'll be in the same boat together. So, uh, you guys want to uh, do like rock paper scissors for first, or, or no, does it matter? Let, let Mike go. I, I'll oh, let great. him have. I'll let him have the free space. Okay, so uh, again, top thirteen. Um, there are just for funsies. There are another three that have a one point oh oh even, but oh. we're not going to incorporate them. It's less that's, than. That does less not get than. enough. First guess is a guy that I know has been pitching well. We weren't sure what to expect out of him. And he's Paul Sporer's favorite guy, Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander is number 11 at .92. You're in the game. All right, Alexander. Give me a name. That wasn't the free space. The free space is Jacob deGrom. Please tell me he has a whip under one, please. Uh, Jacob deGrom does not appear on this list. I didn't think he'd pitch in enough the, innings. That was my concern. I don't know what the, uh, to be honest, I don't know what MLB is using as their, their criteria here. I will look his up afterwards, but I'm afraid that if I click off the screen that I will never get back to it. So sorry, <laughs> Alexander, that's, that's one strike for you. Uh, family feud strike sound mm-hmm. insert here. Uh, all right, uh, Mike, back to you. Well, remember I said I had three names. DeGrom was one of them. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with my third one. Uh, Kershaw has been surprisingly decent. I will go with Kershaw. Kershaw is number five on this list at 0. .65. No, 0. not a names. <laughs> all right. So, Mike, you're, you're in the lead here. Alexander with one strike. Okay. I will just pick the other... Mets starter uh, in Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer is number four at 0. .64 on the whip. For what it's 0. worth, 64. also, DeGrom, 1.00 whip. Is it 1.00? <laughs> yeah. In his um, five innings. He's got five innings. Yeah, maybe they, they might they might have that, that limiter on here, I guess. I don't know, because Kate Cavalli's here with six innings, and he's at 1.00. I don't have DeGrom on this list that I, that I clicked, so. Yeah, that's fine. I don't know. It was wrong. Maybe maybe MLB.com has not updated for today or something um, or adjusted. Maybe they picked that. Who knows? They gave somebody a hit instead of an error. 
Um, all right. Who are we at? We're back to Mike, right? Yes. <laughs> I've been thinking of name. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm literally thinking in my head, ADP, ADP. I'm going to go with Lucas Giolito. Giolito. I'm going to go up and down this list just to make sure, just to make sure I do not see Lucas Giolito. And <sighs> that is a strike for Mike. So we've got one strike, Mike, one strike, Alexander, and it is to you, Mr. Chase. Um, I'm going to go with Robbie Ray. I know he was Robbie good. Ray is number Wait, no. 13. That, there's no way that worked also. Point Wait nine six. Point he nine a, six. He's he the last first outing. So I realized that was point. stupid. I'm, I'm surprised it worked. <laughs> yep. No, you got in there under the wire. All right, Mike, back to you. Oh, no. Are you guys um, keeping track like counting cards in Vegas? Are you keeping track of the ones that are already off the list? I, well, I'm trying. I'm trying to. I'm just trying to remember names to add to the list right now. Yeah. Um, told you but this isn't my strength. I had three names for a reason. Um, uh, this is gonna be so wrong, but I'm gonna say Logan Webb. Maybe that, that was the last minute audible. By the way, he wasn't even the name in my head. I was about to come out. So I love the guess. I, he was on a different list that I had sorted of of like picture uh-huh. goodness, but not on this one. No. Sorry, so that's two strikes for Mike. <laughs> Alexander, back to you. So I do remember seeing a stat not long ago that was like the Giants have given up one earned run among their like core starting pitcher, like five. Uh, so I'm going to pick uh, Carlos Rodon just to like stay on that thought. <laughs> Carlos Rodon is number two on this I hate list. You. Okay, so when I said I call Point last minute audible, four, five. When that's I said, who you were going with. That was my first. I should have gone with my first instinct. You gotta go with I was like, gut. Rodon. I was like, no, Logan Webb. I just like better. <laughs> that was the reason. Yep. There you oh, go. No, Ro- yeah, Rodon's on the list. He's number 2.45 whip. Oof. I mean, six oh, and two man. thirds. So, <laughs> but 0.45. All right. So uh, this could be it right here. Mike, <laughs> pressure's on. Well, I'm about to take it off real quick as soon as I think of a name. Um, Oh man, I'm I'm. Why am I struggling? Like the names coming to mind, I know aren't good. Like Cindergard, I know it didn't work out. Um, Matt Manning, I know the Velo's up, but he's not. Obviously, I know he had a bad outing. I don't know if this guy had a bad outing. I know everyone's hyping him up. Mitch Keller. Mitch Keller is number eleven on this list. Point nine two whip. I'm surprised too, Alexander. Nice. <laughs> well done. Well I'm going done. to um I'm going to continue to follow the leader here. Um and I'm gonna go young, chaotic, not striking anyone out and throwing nearly a hundred uh with uh Jesus Lazardo. Jesus Lazardo is number eight on this list at point eight six. Can you give us a recap? Like how many do we have at this point? This I is don't know. Silly. I don't know. Keep going. <laughs> we, <laughs> we're gonna go until somebody has three strikes or we run out of names. I'm about to have three strikes here because this guy, there's no way. Uh, the whip isn't the whip can't be that good. I just I saw the swing strike rates uh, today. Actually, there are six left. Okay, okay. This is so wrong. There's no way this is right. But let me before I go. I want to. I'm I'm just stalling here. Make sure I can think of a last minute name here. Uh, of course, I'm not gonna go with my gut and be wrong. But um, this can't be right. I just I think he had a bad outing, so I'm afraid this guy is really wrong. So hold on. I'm sorry. I'm just. No, it's okay. Brain. Chris Bassett. I love that guess. I absolutely love that guess, but no, Chris <laughs> is not on this list. So that's uh that's three. So I, this is what I'll do. I'll, I'll just go from 13 all the way down to one. So number 13 is Robbie Ray at 0.96. Uh, 
Verlander as number uh, uh well Verlander and Keller are tied. Wait, wait, I'm here to, I'm gonna cut you off. Technically, yeah, doesn't I'm... he doesn't he have to get this to win? Because we're tied then. If he if I went first, he uh, went second. Oh. Yep. It's high. Okay. I will take that. No, I will because take that. you, you, he's only got one strike, though, right? Alex, you've only got one strike. Oh, is that it? I thought you had so. Even, even Never if he mind. misses this. Never mind. He's, you're right. I was trying to no, get no, technicality. No. You, you, you would have been right <laughs> if you had had the same number of yes. strikes. And I was prepared for that eventuality. Oh. I was trying not to rub, rub it in too much, Mike. That it's he okay. Um, listen the fact that i even got more than one like right i'm actually very happy i with. think you guys did really well with this especially guessing cold it's not like there was anything other than just off the top of your head so um okay so 13 robbie ray 0.96 mitch keller and verlander are tied for 11th at 0.92 adam wainwright is number 10 at 0.90 uh patrick corbin Patrick no, Corbin. Stop it. Number Remember, nine. No, no, <laughs> stop it. No, here's the thing. No, no. Here's the reason why I'm upset. I audible from Corbin to Bassett. Oh, no. You did it twice. Twice. You I did even it said, twice. Oh my goodness. You gotta trust your instincts. Well, I saw man. his swing strike rate today and I did like a small little tweet, like over guys who threw 75 pitches. Here's the good and here's the bad. And Patrick Corbin was on the good because his swing strike rate just stood out like an 18% swing strike rate through his first 75 pitches. So basically one start or half a start in real life, but it yeah. caught my attention, and I'm like, I think he had a bad outing. Maybe he didn't, obviously. Whatever. Anyway. Yeah, I, I, okay. I, I Listen, I'm going to give you honorable mention credit for the fact that you had had these names in your head, at the very least. So Corbin's uh, Corbin's number nine at .89. Lizardo is eight at .86. Nick Lodolo is number seven at .82. Uh, an interesting name that we might uh, dig a little bit more deeply into later on. Uh, you Darvish, number six at .71. Clayton Kershaw, number 5.65. Scherzer, number 4 at 0.64. Number 3, and I really want to talk about this name later on, uh, Mackenzie Gore, 0.56. Number 3, 0.56. Number 2 is Carlos Rodon at 0.45. And I actually am surprised neither of you gave me this name, although I don't think you would have come up with the whip, which is 0.14, which it's only seven innings, but that's that's still quite a number. And that is uh, Sandy Alcantara. Number one on this list, so that was fun. Thanks for playing. I know that's uh, sometimes it's it's tough to to do that. And the, when the pressure's on, it's really hard to think of of the name and to to kind of pull that out. So, um, some of those names I think are are just what they are. You know, like whatever. It's, it's we're talking about seven innings pitched, but some of those names are intriguing because there's more story to them in what they've done so far than just obviously their whip. So. Um, I do want to get into the the kind of the central theme of this and dig into some more players. But before we do that, we are going to need to take a very small break. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription, where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord, where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code 
podcast to get your first month free. All right. Thanks for listening. Let's get back to the show. And we're back. So, Mike, here is the crux of our episode. We have an abbreviated spring training this year. Um, I know that you're paying a lot of attention to what's going on for all the work that you're doing, all that fantastic work that you're doing. Um, what, what do you think are the things we can learn from what we've seen so far? And does any of it matter? Um, I think when I was going off on my tangent, some of the stuff that mattered to me, like I said, a lot was focusing on positional eligibility or potential to gain that fantasy purposes in season, because some players have a clear path to grabbing that and you can draft them knowing like, Hey, this is going to happen. There are some like certainties like Hunter Dozier has pretty much played first base or DH. So you got to think, okay, assuming that he doesn't get replaced by the, okay, bad example, because he has a lot of, (laughs) he has a lot of uh, minor league, prospects coming up that could push him but mm-hmm. fine how about we go with uh go back to our guy uh, trevor story you know he's gonna be second base he hasn't played a single game yet but you know like stuff like that so you could draft him knowing all right shortstop eligibility you're gonna have second base a guy like um another i'm trying to remember the other name i want oh i'm never no he's not a for sure thing never mind he's just been playing outfield lately it's weird there was a couple there was another name i had top of my head and then i got thrown off by the whole wrong name here when i picked it but I, it just goes back to like I'm just I'm just rambling on about how I think this matters. If you pick if you look at the names, look at the situations, you can see who actually is for sure like has that route to getting that. Garrett Cooper is a great name. He's not going to play the outfield this year. They've pretty much said as much over there in Miami. He has strictly played first base or DH in spring training, and you know he's going to play first base in DH with Jesus Aguilar playing first base in DH around him as well. So Garrett Cooper, a guy deeper formats, obviously who, you know, you're drafting as an outfielder will gain that corner infield eligibility eventually down the line. So just, again, that stuff's worth monitoring. Um, other than that, some teams, and the reason why I think it could be valuable in terms of uh, spring training lineups is because sure. A lot of stuff will change. Injuries will occur. P- players will hit their way up the lineup. But what I did notice last year is it's not always a guarantee for that to happen. And I mentioned Enrique Hernandez, Cedric Mullins, guys who hit and stuck in their spots and they've returned value because of that. So guys for me like that this year, Danzy Swanson, but in a negative manner, that team, that Braves team isn't very injury prone. Eddie Rosario, Ozzy Albies, Matt Olson, Austin Riley, Marcelo Zuna. I mean, well, if you feel about him, how you feel, but you know what I mean? He's still playing for the team. I mean, like right. again, like it or not, and, and I, probably not going to be playing the outfield a whole lot. So probably not going to get hurt as easily yeah. as he could. Yeah. So you have that. Cause I remember they mentioned when Acuna returns, he's going to be playing the outfield. At least he says when I'm back, I'm back basically is what he said. So um, who else is on that team? Um, I was just reading down uh, Darno Duvall is another one who doesn't really get hurt. Uh, um, what's his face does Darno does get hurt, but he's probably gonna be hitting at the bottom of the lineup too. So I guess my point being is that Swanson's kind of stuck and buried on this roster. And in his career, if you actually look at his numbers, um, Swanson has hit better at the sixth spot and the ninth spot than anywhere else. Those are actually the only two spots I believe in the lineup in his career. He has a WRC plus over a hundred. So it's a, it's a fun little fact. So the problem is, is you're drafting Swanson for kind of like he compiles stats. You expect him to play throughout the season, move up and down the order. But if this team can stay healthy, Swanson has a hard path up that lineup and you're taking away at bats from a guy that you kind of need at bats to get the full quality of like stats, stat line from. So guys like, like situations like this, I'm taking and I'm putting a little more, something behind in my rankings and in my mind when I go to draft them, because maybe that 20 something home runs turns into like a low twenties. Maybe those n- right. nine, 10 stolen bases turn into seven or eight. And that might not sound like a lot, but then you're take you're still taking away. And then 
take away the counting stats, the runs and RBI that come down too. Because I thought he was going to lead off at one point in the offseason because they didn't sign everybody. Then they signed everybody. Yeah, <laughs> and now right. there's like, and, and they made a trade for Olsen. And so that was like, that's one of those things where it's like in that specific situation, I have my eyes on and I'm watching real closely because I was really big on Swanson. Now I'm kind of fading him just a little bit. And I'm letting other people kind of take him. Again, I already have a share too. So he's already on a couple rosters, but um, like that type of stuff is where like some teams like that, I really take away and dive in on and just like, okay, this makes sense. And teams like that show their hands, like the Royals, go look at them. They've been very consistent in the lineups they've trotted out. And Nicky Lopez, maybe people had hopes for him hitting in the top of the lineup. It could happen with injury or wit underperform, with junior underperforms. But realistically, I mean, and luckily the ADP never really got out of hand for Lopez, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. he's a guy that he's another guy that maybe you were expecting more at bats and now take away those at bats. He can't compile those stolen bases, those runs for you that you might have tri- gone in on. So that's why that's really what the focus is on here. Kind of seeing which lineups are most sticky and could last longer than just the opening couple of weeks of the season. Yeah. I, I usually like to say that choices are one of the stickiest things, uh, you know, like batter walk rates, uh, is like one of the fastest things to like be reliable. And that's all just like someone decides whether or not they're going to swing at certain pitches. And you know, there are consequences for that. Uh, you'll see guys who decide they want to walk also strike out and stuff. Um, uh, these managers choosing whether or not they're going to swing in, with some of these prospects at the top of their lineup Wow, that was a that was a comparison. Yeah, that was a little <laughs> internal segue there, Alexander. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow. I um. Anyways, <laughs> it's it's similar sort of stuff to a degree, and I think that um, I think the thing you bring up with Swanson is uh one of the more immediately readable sort of situations like that that also has some really obvious kind of takeaways, uh, based off of like how the sort of plug my settings in get a number and draft based off of that sort of things can go awry so like Swanson is the sort of guy who's going to get projected to play like 150 games or so because that's just what happens and those pa projections are going to put him like pretty high up in the lineup so if you're like go to fan graphs plug in your plug in your like ops and half steals and runs but only on tuesdays league settings or whatever it is um you know he's gonna be the sort of guy that comes out way ahead because of all of those pas from all those games played but like when you start fading him down the lineup those uh the effects i think really on like uh runs scored are going to be really uh dramatic i think because he's the sort of guy that you like kind of draft for that purpose and then you know if the guys behind him are less good worse things happen now an interesting thing that i have noticed from guys who tend to hit like sixth or seventh or so i think kyle tucker is the guy that makes me think of this is if you're in that situation instead of leading off a lot of what could be like just flyouts have the potential to be sack flies that don't hurt your batting average because batting average is a stupid statistic um so. <laughs> let's hope that like five would be flyouts suddenly become sack flies and his batting average is better or something you know, take the tiny bit of solace you can well, I think an important point here is when you're drafting and uh, somebody like Dansby Swanson is sitting at a certain spot in your ranks or the, you know, the room, let's say maybe you just use kind of whatever the room says. There are other people around him that are going to be similarly ranked that maybe you don't choose because you think Swanson's going to put up numbers that because of these situations and these choices, he's less likely to put up. 
and he deserves to be grouped with other people. So this is something I've been talking about a lot, and that's the opportunity cost uh, of taking him where he's going because if you're not getting that production, then his value isn't in that space. So not only are it's not just like, okay, well, I'll take him anyway. I need a shortstop, and it's a few of this and a few of that, but really it's also the the stats from whoever you didn't take that you're not getting because you can get those same numbers that you're going to get from Swanson from somebody else later on. So I, I, I think it's important to not only look at these players in a vacuum, but also contextually with whatever other decision you would or could make around that particular player with a more accurate projection of, of what might happen. Yeah. If, I think it's really good to know when, especially this time of year where it's lovely to just imagine what could be for which guys, the ceiling is being lowered just a little bit at a time. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's a really good call out with Swanson. It was a really good one. Uh, now I know that sometimes things aren't as obviously <laughs> applicable. I remember actually the comment where I think I, um, I like, was bugging you on Twitter. It was um, like a twins lineup before they signed Correa or something like that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of chaos and a lot of, you know, caused chaos. I'm going to put Correa in a different category. I think, but like, you know, trying to read the, the, the room on whether or not like. <laughs> on day two of spring training. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, who is Isaiah kind of kind of fluffy going to take playing time away from in minneapolis like that was a fun moment Um, (laughs) all of 30 minutes yeah yeah right although but now we can talk about the yankees because you you look at that and roster resource i mean you can hate them or love them look at what they have i kind of agree i mean i do expect them to kind of rotate guys in and keep them healthy because this is just a segue to the yankees because ikf is there um he's gonna play shortstop and that's one thing you can take away from these lineups they played labor Torres there once and he was the only other starter they've even touched in terms of putting him at shortstop this spring training so that goes to show and i think uh he already came out boone already came out and said that labor is pretty much the backup shortstop and labor's having a great spring training so D- where's dj gonna play every day if with a healthy yankees lineup dj might play five days a week but it's because he's gonna bounce around from third base to second base to first base from third base he's gonna do the carousel thing until there's an injury which there will be an injury because it's the yankees but it's just yeah. one of those <laughs> things like i don't think I, and i'm getting so much pushback and it's not that i'm anti LeMahieu necessarily i kind of am actually i mean he's dropped my ranks but the thing about him is if he's playing five out of six that's he's not a compiler anymore that's our that's one game a week right there okay so you take away some of his games again this could be easily fixed with a trade which hasn't come i doubt it's gonna come at this point or just it's gonna be easily fixed with an injury but how are we sure that maybe now he played through an injury last year are we sure LeMahieu isn't possibly heading towards that i mean what is he 33 so it's not like he suddenly there is that cliff that happens to almost every ball player are we sure he didn't hit it last year or begin to i mean i still buy into the skill set he's doing well in spring i think Lemay he still has another year or two in him because the bat bat skill is so good but some of those things that you have to consider these things now you're taking away a game a week from him at least to start and i i don't know just there's no clear path to every day at bats and if he sits what two out of the first six the first week, two out of the first six in week three or four, it starts adding up. And instead of 155, you get 140. That's a big deal for DJ LeMayhew. Yeah. And yeah. Try, and enjoy trying to start him in weekly formats when you're not sure which games he's going to sit. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think That's I think hard. he's a guy that uh, really comes to mind as the sort of person who just totally screws up a lot of the work that I do where I kind of assume you're going to replace a certain number of games missed. Um, like... Justin Turner, I think, gets underdrafted everywhere. 
because people think he's going to sit more than he actually did last year. I should know. He did not sit that often. I think DJ Lemayhu is going to sit a lot, relatively speaking, compared to other people we consider to be like high end deserves an eight figure salary sort of players. <laughs> um, and like, like they're giving him a good amount of money. He's pretty good. But I think the, the lesson for a lot of these cases is that, like people are better when they don't play every day. Um, and I think it might be the smart thing for the Yankees to do to rest someone every day. If yeah. not, like, yeah. Yeah, a little and bit more than that. that These managers LeMay- don't care about our fantasy teams. Exactly, and that includes <laughs> that includes LeMahieu. So you take and again, he's a guy that you take away even five games. It, not that it makes a huge difference. That doesn't sound like a lot, but five games is the difference between ten home runs and nine. The difference between ten stolen bases and nine. And now, ten ten just sounds better than nine nine in my head. But yeah. <laughs> it's just it's, a, it's it's the point of just you're taking away a little. You're skipping you're skimming off the top every little bit. And with him, it just matters that much more. And I think it's less of a. I, I want to make sure I emphasize that it's less about LeMahieu's skill set being concerned about that. I'm not. It's the fact that I I, I think you nailed, hit the nail on the head that the day of the Iron Man is dead. If you go look back, at, like, people always want to say, oh, I want 150. I want 150. I looked and I looked at just players who played 140 games. You go back uh, almost 10 years. I, I went year by year on Fangraphs into this because I'm sure there's a more efficient way, but I'm not that smart. So I went year by year <laughs> on Fangraphs, look at the leaderboards. And only I think the highest amount of players that played 140 games in a season was like 115. So we're talking, yeah. we're talking on average. It was close to like a hundred, pretty much a hundred a year through every regular season to the last 10 years that about a about hundred players play 140 games. And we draft upwards of 300, 400 players and the D you know, your draft champions leagues, your drafting holds 700, <laughs> 750 players. So yeah. it's like, you're over here. Like we're over here. Just maybe we should make the new standard like in our heads. If you think, Hey, give me 140, you know, you're getting a top 100 player in terms of games played almost. That's yeah. not a bad yeah. deal. The same is true with innings pitched too, by yeah. the way. Yeah. So I, I did. I took a look at that. I put out a Twitter poll. Like, what do you consider a, a, a solid year from a pitcher? And a lot of most people picked 150 as a as as that's, the mark. You know, give me give me 150. They came to me. Yeah, that's, yeah. That's so, <laughs> um, you know, it's it that's different. Very very different than those days of you know 200 innings was that was a real solid year. And a lot of guys, you know, hit 160, 170, 180. There's just not a lot of those guys anymore. So it's it's all around. It's, it's the the changing landscape of baseball that is not necessarily how fantasy leagues, especially the more traditional leagues, are are designed. They're not really set up that way. You know, you look at a two catcher league versus a two utility kind of a league. You know, maybe the the move needs to be away from more of those positional squeezes and more of those. You know, should we have a, a first baseman, a second baseman, a third baseman, a shortstop plus the middle infield and, and corner infield? Or should we just have a couple extra, you know, middle and corners for that flexibility? Because so many people are, are you know, not reaching those those milestones in terms of at bats. I don't know. That's a bigger conversation for a different, <laughs> a different podcast. But um, I don't I think that's where some of this stuff gets really difficult. And the work that you're doing, Mike, is is really important because as baseball changes and evolves and the fantasy game doesn't as much to, to meet the new way uh, of man, right? Like we're still, we still got saves. Saves have evolved significantly in, in the last few years. We're still doing it. Still stolen bases have, have changed significantly in the last few years. We're still doing it. Um, those gaps that, that kind of show up, that's what you're, you're looking at to fill in. And that's really important work. 
Yeah, it's 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 again, it's uh, bittersweet because like some teams are super obvious, and then you have teams like the Brewers that have like fifteen players for nine spots, and that's yeah. aggravating because they could they could platoon very easily. They have so many options to go either which way, and it's like. But I think now my my that's why part of my goal is now is to identify who's most likely to get those opportunities because they're going to come via injury, via IL stint, via fantasy, uh, you know, phantom injury, dodgeritis, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, right. There's going to be an IL stint for most players most years. So who's going to be like what fourth outfielders? Do I, like, I love Tyrone Taylor. He's going to still I think even with mm-hmm. the cut, I think even with the cut in there, I think Taylor should be the favorite to be the fourth outfielder because his defense is better. And mm-hmm. Tyrone Taylor is a guy that unfortunately no path to playing time but he's a guy you keep on your watch list because even in limited playing time taylor still put up uh, like th- i think it was like 14 home runs and six stolen bases and like 250 at bats or plate appearances sorry so it's like like i'm not saying extrapolate that but you know the skill set is there and he's having a strong spring as well um you have you have uh, lorenzo kane talking up talking about giving him a bigger role like maybe jokingly yeah. it was jokingly in the clubhouse but he's still saying it like promoting mm-hmm. his own player his own teammate so a guy like that like that's where it's like i've turned my analysis to not just focusing on who's hitting where but who has that opportunity so i make sure i try to incorporate that more and again obviously it's it's an evolving thing because i'm new to doing this as much as it's like doing it's again it's done well i'm still trying to still improve it because and that's why I'm focusing more on the in-season because obviously things change so rapidly all year. I'm going to be doing a daily article in-season covering lineup stuff and relevant news that alters lineups, et cetera, et cetera. But it's just one of those things that you got to keep in mind. Like, yeah, hey, it's good to know what's going to happen going into the season, what can stick, assuming everything goes well. But who's going to who's gonna end up being the guy that benefits the most when things go awry? Because you, you never know when something bad's going to happen. Injury, trade, um, underperformance you name it you never know you got to be ready for that and that's where again i'm trying to incorporate and maybe next year i'll incorporate a little more this year i've no i've been focusing on it but i don't know if i've put enough of it into my actual public anal- analysis that's the problem like i know i'm noticing it but i'm maybe yeah. i'm not making enough notes about it for other people to be like hey maybe i should pay attention to this guy a little more um so i'm curious then um because we get excited online it's our favorite thing to do mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> what is it you've kind of like watched happen that you're like quite certain like isn't real and doesn't matter that you're like really where he's going to end up dominating the headlines you know it's like a lot of what you've said before is like looking for fire what are you very confident is smoke at this time of year oh man smoke um hmm and not Justin. I don't think he's in any lineup considerations right now. Although Vogelbach is, which is weird. Um, <laughs> just thinking of obscure, random, big uh, corner infielders of sorts. Um, oh, man. The smoke. I, I don't. I honestly have had a hard time. Like, I, I, I really wish I had a better. I had an answer because it's one of those things where I guess maybe because you're looking for answers so much, it's hard to find the, like who's lying to you. I just wonder if it's more so on the pitching side than the hitting side, because I feel like offense is very cut and dry, but I feel like all these velocity, I think it's always going to be the same stuff, not necessarily the velocity readings, because we don't know how hot these guns are at some of these stadiums, but it's the, um, it's the pitch mix stuff. Like people get so amped up Mm, about pitch mixes. Yeah. And it doesn't mean the pitch is going to work. Like I, I love the fact that Heaney's trying to learn a new pitch because I want Heaney to wor- be a thing. I want it to, I want to wish it into existence, but yep. it doesn't mean that, it, <laughs> that that third pitch, that new, I think it was like a sweeper is what they're calling it. Cause that's what Urias mm-hmm. has picked up and trying Yeah. I, the entire he, Dodger staff. Yes, he's trying. He's trying to learn it, but he's having a hard time uh, figuring out a release point for it. Which is uh, people don't realize, like a launch angle change isn't simple. Oh, another thing. Okay, fine. Here's more smoke. 
players tweaking their mechanics isn't always a good thing. Just like a player, just like a pitcher <laughs> right. adding a pitch. Look at Bellinger. He tweaked or he tweaked his he's tweaking. That's not he, he's tinkering. We'll go with tinkering. He's tinkering yeah. with his uh batting stance and mechanics again, and he's obviously looking lost at the plate right now. I'm not sure if that's a mix of just not feeling the new swing and tinkering his new stuff paired with just not seeing the ball well there's a lot to it maybe one's causing the other but that's just like so that type of stuff is like just be mindful that that stuff isn't always good i'd say that's kind of where the smoke comes from like oh look they're making changes this must be a good thing not always those guys that have jobs can go out there and say i'm throwing one pitch today and i'm gonna try (laughs) and locate it in a bunch of different places and if it gets hit i don't care right i'm they can go do that and and there's why is this guy only throwing one pitch today? Or, you know, this guy's working on a, on getting his slider to be a little bit more effective or controlling it. So he threw it 50% of the time and his, his normal usage is more like 22%. Does that mean it? No, at, at this point, it probably doesn't mean anything. It's not that it can't, it could, there are situations where that is maybe a precursor to some sort of change and, and choice. Um, but, it's hard to know in the moment which of these it's like time will tell right once the games start to count you see a little bit more about what mattered and what didn't and it's more like a hindsight thing at that point so i, I think that's that's important to know too we do have some players that i i want to get to so um i'd like to do this in maybe a, a slightly rapid fire way maybe i bounce between the two of you and you just give me uh some short feedback on what your thoughts are uh, based on, you know, obviously this very small sample size, but also, you know, a little of a, a prognostication about the future. So, uh, Mike, I'm going to start with you, and I'm going to ask you to talk to me about Joe Adele. What do you think? Oh, man. So we all know that uh, Adele kind of did his thing towards the end of the year, and I'm looking at his stats as of um, entering today, I would guess, because I'm looking him up on Baseball Reference. That's what I like to use for spring training stats because they give you this opponent qual- – they like to give us they give us this opponent quality metric, which a lot of hitters don't necessarily see above an eight, and an eight is triple A. So okay. I like to try I try to I try to find players that are seeing above an eight because that's close that's as close as you're gonna get because ten is MLB, and the only guys that have tens are uh, in turn in terms of the hitting are like guys that have like one or two games, maybe a few at bats, and they happen to start against a starter that day. But um, Joe Adele is sitting at a seven point three entering today. That's uh, just above that's double A basically. So he should be hitting, but that's good because he's hitting what he's supposed to. Joe Dell's putting up a 280 batting average. And I don't know if you guys heard on latest rates and barrels. So a quick plug to, um, you know, but he said, I guess there was a study that was put out that it's OPS. That's actually the stickiest of, of stats in terms of uh, uh, spring training. I believe, I believe it was, I'm pretty sure it was OPS. And I would hate to quote him if you're wrong. Right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he, right now Adele's sitting with over a thousand OPS 1.041. And, Adele has three home runs. He stole three bases. And that's important to me because that shows intent <laughs> yeah, in spring training. Right. And the fact that he stole three in games that don't matter and he was allowed to, that's that's amazing. And he was successful three for three. Couple walks, six strikeouts. The strikeouts are always gonna be a thing, but in 28 play appearances, six strikeouts, very acceptable. So what I, what what's encouraging about Odell? Uh, Odell, Odell, wrong sport. There's yeah. What's encouraging about Joe Odell? This isn't QB list. This is a you know this is pitcher list and all that. Um, what's encouraging about Joe Odell is that he's continuing continuing where he left off. He's succeeding against pitching he's supposed to su- supposed to succeed against. And I just I, I always find that encouraging because I know spring training stats don't matter, but I like to think that they might be a little bit they might matter a little bit when it comes to a player that 
showed something at the end of the last year after you know after struggling for so long and he was able to hold on to it in the next season even though again it's not the highest level of, of, of opponent it's still showing that that continuation and i i really like to see that in a player and again it's i know it's spring training but it's still like if he was batting 180 with seven with eight with like, with like 12 strikeouts i would be like a lot more concerned like oh joe Adele's right. not you know he obviously didn't pick up where he left off but it looks like he did and it, it kind of gives me reason for optimism moving into 2022 all right alexander tell me something good about keston hira uh do you hate me uh this is an interesting one you know actually <laughs> i want hate you it's very well documented <laughs> that I don't, Alexander. <laughs> I I know, I know. Yeah, so I've I've seen some talk about his mechanics changes. I've seen some talk about like again, look at big numbers because home run big. Like that's it. I'm uh, he has 18 plate appearances and he's struck out four times with one walk. That's kind of neat. He's got a 7.8 opponent quality. That's okay. Like, yeah, I'm I'm gonna need to see a little bit more. Um, yeah. and I think that's basically what I'm going to come to with him. I would like to believe if anything else though, that he is willing to make changes after, I think he reunited with like a college or like low minors hitting coach or something like that to like get back to some of his old ways. I like to talk about him as someone who made some aggressive changes to his profile to like tap into more power right as he was coming up. He stopped being the player he was in the low minors when he hit the high minors in terms of choices. So if he's choosing differently, cool. Uh, Show us what happens over 50 plate appearances. I guarantee he won't end up on any roster of mine because of who I am. (laughs) But I would love to be wrong. I'd feel really happy for him if if I was wrong. Yeah. Uh, He's such a weird case of everybody everybody's darling that just I, I couldn't put it together so i'm rooting for him mm-hmm. i am uh, i don't know him personally and i don't I, I am just assuming he's a good person and i'm rooting for him um all right mike francisco lindor i mean what's there not to like i mean we were hoping maybe it took him a year to adjust to the big lights of new york he's having a heck of a spring but again spring doesn't really matter it's just one of those things that you're just encouraged to see that He's getting he's gonna enter the season kind of like feeling good, you know. Maybe the stress is yeah. off of him. They've they've signed other players around him now, you know, Starling Marte, Kana, those types. Um, he showed you know glimpses of kind of bouncing or bouncing back last year to towards the towards the second half. So it was and we know I feel like the track record is too long to just assume that last year was who he was. I do know that Lindor um, he usually has a really good play discipline. Last year he was a little more passive, I believe, which caused more strikeouts. Or it was, it was, it was a weird thing. I think there was more passivity to his game. I remember looking into him a little bit. And I'm wondering if maybe, again, it just took some adjusting. And I know the shift can get to him a little bit as well. I, I don't know. I want to I want to give him a pass. I think the track record is there. And I've never been – I haven't been out on him, but somehow I've managed to get no – get him on no teams and it kind of upsets mm. me because i think what happens is i just i was a really big i'm a really big story and tim anderson guy so i grabbed those guys earlier uh, yeah. usually and yeah. i never needed i never felt the need to double tap shortstop that early that's all that is so lindor's a guy that i have some I actually have fomo on because you're seeing again i, I don't like overreacting to spring training stats i want to emphasize that but it's just one of those things yeah. like okay cool he's he's kind of he's he's showing that he's like he it's it's there again He's obviously in a groove, and sometimes you can enter a season that groove just follows. And uh, and he hit. I know. His, I think he hit another home run or two today, right? Like, so he was at like four, three, four or five spring training home runs. Doesn't always mean something, but 
it, it's just you like to see him kind of shake the cobwebs off of a down 2021 and kind of try to like maybe he won't ever be quite the guy he was in cleveland but at least you know he's i feel like there's a happy medium between what he was and where he was like what he was in cleveland and what he was in new york last year and so we we saw what with machado with um harper those guys the first year of their mega deals sometimes it just they come up short of expectations they bounce back now they're first and second rounders again lindor can yeah. easily fit that mold yeah, I think for him, it's maybe less that he's doing well and more that he's not doing poorly. Um, yeah, is kind of the takeaway there. Um, Alexander, talk to me about Eduardo Rodriguez. Um, do you want to guess what his opponent quality is? No. Yeah. Okay. That's but a good I will. Answer. Yeah, he's sitting at a six point six so far. I don't. I'm happy to see that he's pitched twelve innings. That's really it. Um. Yeah, I think for a lot of these guys, like what you said earlier about just getting out there, throwing some innings, he's not a guy that like, um, so for example, a lot of the guys that I'm paying attention to pitching wise, the thing that I'm looking for is to see if they change something that will affect like their stuff grades. I am not someone who typically cares about those things, but I know that I have to. Um, so like, for example, um, Cameron Grove at pitching underscore bot on Twitter has been running all of the stat cast fed data because you talk about hot like radar guns we have actual stat cast enabled parks where we can like trust that someone's fastball going 99.5 is doing that so he's feeding a lot of the stuff into his model and for a lot of guys it's coming out really pretty erod's not a guy that i'm really all that worried about in any particular way he's i think kind of the epitome of we'll see when the season hits like yeah i mean 1.0 whip 3.75 3.75 ERA, a good number of strikeouts against some guys who aren't that great while you're getting wound up. I don't think there's anything to be worried about or to have an opinion about, honestly. And I'm very happy about that. <laughs> it's, it's a weird thing. <laughs> All right. I'm going to actually have you, uh, Alexander, do one more name, and then we're going to wrap up with Mike. So I want you to tell me a little bit about Mackenzie Gore. I think that he's very, very interesting. Uh, talk about a little bit of post hype here. So, Alexander, what are your thoughts with with what we're seeing out of Mackenzie Gore? Um, I, I'm going to lead with the opponent quality. It's about a seven. God, I'm just so predictable right now. The thing I care about with Gore uh, is really particular. He walked a lot of people because he didn't have feel for his stuff. Basically, last year I think was kind of the story. He went from a guy who would have and walks for my, nine's imperfect, but whatever. Like on the on the scale of like two or so for much of his like early minors career up to five last year. And he's walked like no one this spring. So um, yeah, it, it it's, we got a whisper, but like he's back maybe. Um, I'm really excited about him. I think in a much different way. Again, the stuff grades are off the charts again. Uh, it's really fun for a lot of these guys. who so, like, we haven't had those opportunities to like check out like how flat is their fastball, you know, like all that sort of stuff. He looks legit. Um, I'm going to see if I can find his stuff great because I think it's in here somewhere. But um, yeah, he's the sort of guy that I think really stands out that there is much more than just a like, oh, he's back. Cool guy. Let's go for it sort of thing. Or the uh, the numbers look good. Like, I think we can be pretty confident that he's um, he's showing things we should care about. Yeah, it's it's encouraging at the very least. I, again, short sample, a uh, small sample size, I should say, um, a, an abbreviated spring, but more the story that he he's not doing poorly, um, I think is is nice. 
Um, and Mike, I want to come back to you for one more hitter. And so there, there's the list in the notes. You're welcome to pick somebody off of that list. But I also want to give you the chance to talk up somebody that you just want to talk about. So you could go, uh, you can go on script or off script. I'm going to go off script because at this point I'm planting my flag and this is my, uh, this is my like guy. I wasn't, I had no intention of making my guy and there's volatility there, but I'm, I'm comping him to, it's almost like this year's mile straw where it's not as exciting, but he's late speed and, and the speed skill is the main draw, but I'm, it's gross, but I'm in on Jorge Mateo. (laughs) Like gross. I think it's gross because I think I think I think and rightfully so. I'm pretty sure we all gave up on him, and we should like we should have all given up on him. But I'm trying. I'm gonna pull the splits now because you. I'm, I'm just being honest here that uh wasn't expecting to talk about him. I should. You would think I have yep. memorized because, dude. I talk about. I, I think I've written him up in three articles already. So in the second half of last year, again, small sample, 121 plate appearances, three home runs, seven stolen bases, a 519 slug, 333 on base. Which again, he's actually gonna bat probably towards the bottom half of that lineup. I th- they've been sitting around seven ish in that lineup all spring. The Orioles have. I know the fences aren't going to play in his favor, but I'm not worried about. I'm not p- drafting him for power. I think he'll get enough right. power to be a double digit power guy. That's why I said it's like a. I think a poor man Tommy, a poor man's Tommy Edmund is realistic. Actually, double digit home runs on the low end, but clo- can get you thirty steals and hit. And I think closer to two fifty ish. That's why. Poor, that's where the poor man Tommy Edmund comp comes in. But um, he showed you know he was able to strike out just twenty four point six percent of the time in the second half. T- uh, Mateo did put up a 359 Woba and 129 WRC plus again, small sample in over 121 play appearances in the second half of 2021 for Mateo. However, he's, it was the, it's the playing time that has me super in on him. It's the fact that they seem that they're willing to play him pretty much as much, like pretty much in the middle of the infield uh, shortstop's been where they've been putting him. second base. They also put him in there for a game. He in 16 play appearances, he's only struck out twice. So the strikeouts haven't been an issue walked once. Um, the OPS has been lackluster, 779. Again, poor man, Tommy Edmund, but he stole base, not, didn't get caught stealing yet this offseason. Just kind of a guy that, for some reason, I, I don't know, I play in deeper leagues, and Mateo's just a my guy, and I'm planting my flag. I know, yeah. there was, I, I know there's some swing and miss there. That's why I mentioned the batting average being lower. But if you're going to give a guy with former prospect pedigree, the, the speed being so sought after, so late in drafts, and he's going to gain, a, he's only eligible in outfield, and he's a guy that, he, I think he was the name I was looking for earlier when I said there's a guy for sure going to get new eligibility. Mateo is because yeah. Oh, yeah. the only places they're playing him are shortstop and second base where he can play the outfield, but they have a loaded outfield in terms of like, that's like the one position that the, that the Orioles have covered. Yeah. So um, <laughs> there's no reason to think he won't get run. It's it's it pretty much Rogan and Odor would be the only person that would take maybe some time from him or Chris Owings, neither of which should stop them from seeing what they have in Mullins or Mullins. Whoa, I wish Mateo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, that's why I, I think i think the ceiling is a is a edmund-esque type of deal you know double like i mentioned double digit home runs he can get 30 stolen bases we've seen him do more than that in the minors and, yeah. and like i said if he can hit like two give me the, i'll even take 240 considering he's going around pick 300 so um yeah so this especially is, um, in today's game right 240 is not yeah. what it used to be it's and hopefully <laughs> league average than anything um, yeah i think 244 was league average last year actually i yeah. looked it up recently and that's the thing um it's where you're drafting them you could build for that you could build to take the batting average on and even the lackluster power knowing you're going to get a guy who should run and 
I mean, as, as long as he can get on base anyway. Um, but again, it's he's one of those guys that you're drafting, and if he doesn't pan out, you could drop him. So it's like a freebie, like, hey, if I'm right, I'm right. But if I'm wrong, no one's going to get mad get, get mad at me. So Jorge Mateo, it's like a win-win for me. <laughs> oh, I was, I was in on Mateo. Oh, I was in on Mateo. No big deal. Like, oh, that's no big deal. So yeah, but Mateo's my, uh, he's one of my, he's become, slowly become my guy. Alexander, uh, final thoughts here on this kind of like spring training takeaways for the, the, I don't know how many innings of baseball have actually been played for this particular spring training. Uh, where's your head at in terms of this? Is it having like a, on a scale of like one to 10, how much of an impact is what you've seen so far having on, on your maybe draft strategy or hopefulness for a certain player? Uh, kind of wrap up your where your head's at with this whole thing. So, like, I have one draft left, and I think that's our podcast draft in theory. So there's not, like, a whole lot of opportunity for me to put a whole lot of this into play other than I think the first TGFBI and et cetera fab run is this weekend. So I guess I got to care about that. Um, and we'll see how much money I'm willing to pay for Matt Brash in, uh, in, a, in a league or two. I am really excited <laughs> about Matt Brash. Everything looks very very good for him if you're looking yeah. for a uh, there's my one more guy i would have brought up but it's like it's got to be someone who's got that extreme confluence of good circumstance excellent stuff excellent opponent quality so you can believe his excellent results with his good stuff are meaningful and like should he win the job you would care about it like everything there looks really good and that's the sort of stuff that i'm looking for um Outside of that, like we're going to learn a whole lot about what actually was all just getting some guys a couple extra PAs at the top of the lineup against good teams rather than, oh, um, Jeremy Pena's going to lean off, which Jeremy Pena might lean off. Hedging my bets, though. And I, I know I have to hedge for a guy like that because that's the exact sort of case where it's like, I don't want to be wrong and I'm ready to. Um, so I'm not saying anything. <laughs> um, I've been hesitant to promote that because the fact that we were talking about Jeremy Pena possibly leading off and Kyle Tucker possibly hitting sixth in this lineup or seventh is ridiculous. There's no, the fact that what scares me about Tucker doing that is that they stuck with that type of deal all through the playoffs. He hit sixth or seventh in the playoffs. So yeah. he, and he should, but here's the thing. If they want to lead somebody off, why have they not even tried Kyle Tucker in, in one of these lineups that matter? Like one of these, what I call the lineups that matter are the ones with all the starters in. Mm-hmm, he's not, right. he, Kyle Tucker has not hit above. He only, he's only been in one of them and he, and he batted seventh and they put Jeremy Pena leading off. Like, I don't know if I could buy Pena leading off, but I wonder why they haven't even tried Tucker. And maybe, I mean, we still have a week left. I, I don't, if we don't see Tucker up there, I'll be very surprised. And I'm still rooting for him, but I, I'm kind of scared that he's still going to be relegated to that role. But again, Brantley, Jordan, there's ways, to, or Jordan, excuse me, there are ways for him, uh, for Tucker to move up sooner than later via injury alone. But still, why are they, like, after such a great year, why are they not even showing real, like, any, I don't know. They don't seem to seem. They don't seem to care or want to do it. 
this is exactly the right note for us to end on i feel yeah, um, I'm, angry. <laughs> I'm angry thanks angry, frustrated <laughs> confused i feel like i'm the resident willing to talk about the fact that i actually do watch the astros and care about them slightly i'm not an astros fan i just have a lot of friends who are etc cetera, etc cetera, within the pitcherless discord so when someone has a question about the astros i'm like oh yeah no i i've seen the astros uh lineups for the past hundred games because i just text them with to a friend or something like that and I know what Dusty Baker does with people who are um, not currently on social security in his lineups. Mm -hmm. And, but that's what I makes Pena so curious. That's what makes the Pena thing so curious to me. He's not usually a guy to put so much faith in a young player. And he's over here willing to like show like the possible, even the possibility of leading Pena off blew my mind. Yeah. He's so, got something on him. He's yeah. got a dossier or something. Clearly, clearly, yeah, somebody's picture. got something on um, on Kyle Tucker. Um, <laughs> anyways, anyways, we will learn about that one. I do not we will believe we will be confident enough about that one in terms of lineups um, until like let's call it um, April twenty second or so. <laughs> I like how let's just approximate it to April twenty second. That's oddly specific. Two like, weeks. Okay. Two weeks. Uh, oh, I see. I right because we're starting on the. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. Less less weird. Um. Fair enough. Mike, you've been doing the this like spring training stuff for a couple of years now. What would you maybe, if you could? I know this is a big ask, and I didn't prepare you for this. If you could boil it down to like the what's the the biggest takeaway for what is happening during spring? What would you say? Oh. <sighs> Okay. The biggest takeaway just like from what I do in terms of content or just, well, in, just from just from being adjacent to it for what you're doing. I, I what if what's the like the 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 biggest learning I guess that you've had about spring training and and what again what's noise and and what's not. I was going to say ignore the noise because Coach speak isn't coach speak isn't always coach speak necessarily, but you kind of have to read through it because people are like, oh look, um, Altuve does isn't going to lead off. But if you read the whole quote, like this is a bad example again. I've been full of bad examples tonight. Um, but like people need to learn to read. <laughs> the thing is, those people just see snippets on Twitter. People just see right. a, a beat writer saying this. I talked to a beat. I actually commented about something on a beat writer, and then it was about Muncie. I'm like, he's like, oh, Muncie's expected to play opening day. So I was like, oh wow, look, Muncie might play opening day, but I want to see how healthy he is. The beat writer actually responded saying, no, the rest of the quote says he might not. He'll play opening day or be ready by opening day, but he won't be 100. percent I'm like, well, that part matters a ton. Why is that not right. being part of the? Right. So people need to understand, like, when you start seeing these things on Twitter, especially or hearing these things on podcasts. Take this. Take a minute and Google it, and see if you can find the article. Because if you can find the article, a lot of them are free on MLB.com or these other. You know, these other states have their own, like their own, um, like the Miami Herald and stuff like that. You know. Yeah. Right. Um, right. You might be able to find the article that tells you, like, hey, this like, this is the full quote, or hey, look, this guy is really tuned into the team, and he has this information. Like everybody was so worried about Jorge Soler being part of the whole dh conversation that's that's cool that cooper and aguilar are going to be pushed out i was like no i never thought that was going to happen and luckily i found an article from craig mish that wasn't even being circulated on twitter that he was quote or somebody actually pointed it to me pointed it out to me on twitter hey look mish says this and if you're going to believe anybody with the marlins it's craig mish so you kind of yeah. have to sift through all the stuff that we're just fed via podcast twitter etc and really go digging and you'll find more information that way that's why mining the news is so great but there's times where even zimmerman will put out something for mining the news and if you actually go read it 
it could be it can be taken a different direction like he took it and interpreted it one way but you can go interpret your own way and sometimes that's better off like last year i was really in on melanson i got talked out of him because of beat reporters i ended up being right and i I missed out on having him in some of my more important leagues so it's one of those things like sometimes the beat writers are just giving you their opinion not even facts you also have to make sure is it a quote is this a quote from somebody or is this the beat writer talking it's it's a very right. very it's obviously it wasn't such a quick answer but i guess ignore the noise to a point like kind of do your own homework you can't just take what's being given to us or said to us as gospel no matter who's no matter who's saying it me i'm saying that about my stuff sometimes i'm wrong go find out why i'm right. wrong tell me why i'm wrong and so i can fix it too please point, point call me out i'm good with that please yeah. always <laughs> <laughs> i have a dangerous thing i want to say because i know who i'm talking to here but did you see the tweet about uh Julio Rodriguez being the uh, the center fielder on opening day, that that was speculation, right? Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. But then apparently the person, like the person from the radio show, is quoting like an actual person who covers the team. Um, so it's like telephone. I, I, I mean, I mean, it is. It, it, well, here's the thing. I'm waiting for. I, I'm going to be late to react, so I only have two more drafts coming up, and by then he's already going to be. Either we're going to know the news or not by then anyway. But like I'm in group text, group group chats, like and these some of these chats have like like some hardcore NFBC players, which doesn't mean they're the best by any means, obviously. But NFBC is very aggressive because of the overall aspect. And heck, even I was like, well, if, the, if he's up from day one, I kind of want to put him in that top 120, 130 range. But I'm like, wow, that's kind of aggressive considering you're nowhere near drafting him there now. But you kind of have to be aggressive because because I, I think everyone was thinking, oh, he's gonna be down a month. They're going to do what they did with Kelnick yeah. and just leave them down. So it's like you're already seeing massive swings. In the, and then you have people pushing back in the same group. Like, well, look how these prospects usually turn out year one. It's not more likely to miss than hit. And then so it's already an eternal debate. And we haven't even gotten clarity on if it's happening. And people have and you have to react because drafts are happening this weekend from or all week because the season's already here. And yet things aren't even figured out. So it's really frustrating. <laughs> you can tell it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just want to know. So, yes, you, you mentioned it. Here's the takeaway. It's really frustrating yes <laughs> so if you're feeling that way you're not alone <laughs> but but like i said there's a there's always an answer it's just a matter of how far you're willing to dig i have not tried digging for this one because usually where this is more smoke than fire for me if going back to smoke and fire because there's only been one person to kind of come out and i mean we've seen rumblings of it but this is the first person's like confirming it and i'm using air quotes for those who can't obviously you can no one's watching me confirming it so it's and it's not like a like a legit source that any of us have ever used for anything else before <laughs> so um i'm not i'm not I'm trying not to overreact i haven't adjusted my rankings to show him higher yet but in my mind i'm like if, if i draft tomorrow if i really want to get him on my team where i have to think ahead like where am i taking this guy so yeah, hopefully well, it's going to circulate it's yeah. that, something like that's going to circulate fast because it's something everybody wants to believe is true right yes. and there's, there's like, like o'neill momentum and and energy for that as well and, and these teams like we said before the teams are not playing to help you win your fantasy league they're they're playing maybe to win baseball games and maybe not even that so um again another aside for another time um Mike, thank you so much for being a part of uh, this episode. Uh, if you could just want to shout out again your stuff and, and uh, let people know where they can find you on Twitter, all that. Yeah, the main place. I was going to say, if you just want to follow all my work, uh, just follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland. I... I'm a little everywhere. I guess just so much. Uh, like I said, The Athletic, which uh, the skplaybook.com, uh, the Bases Loaded podcast. I know I'm missing something somewhere, but that's, that's it's okay. like I said, follow me on Twitter and you'll, I'll yeah. direct you to everything I do there. 
Twitter's the hub. It's the hub for almost anybody in the industry, right? That's where everything kind of funnels through. So I'd say so. If, if you if you're not following Mike, you're doing it wrong. I imagine everybody already is. Um, again, thank you so much for being a part of this. Now that everybody knows where they can find Mike Alexander, can you let them know where they can find us? Well, they can find you on Twitter at the corked Matt. I'm on Twitter at chase underscore rate. And most importantly, you can find our podcast on Twitter at Dugout Study Hall, where you can send us some questions. Please be sure to subscribe to the Pitcherless podcast feed if you haven't done that already. Leave us a good review if you can be so kind. And if you're not already, please consider becoming a PL Plus member so that you can harass us on the PL Discord. And that's it for me. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time.